Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, March 13th, 2021. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. These are the strong opening words of Psalm 35, and words that at times we are all going to relate to. We are all going to have to deal at some point in our lives with contentious people. We're going to have to deal with people fighting against us. And as we look at this psalm today, as we begin it, and as we look at several other passages, that is a theme that runs throughout our reading today. And it's a theme that we need because those situations will arise in our lives. And one note I want to make as we start to dig into God's word together is that lots of the contention here is not just, you know, selfish fighting, kind of what we see in James 4, where he says, why is there quarreling among you? Well, it's because of your selfish passions. One theme throughout these is it doesn't just seem, oh, we're having a disagreement. It seems that someone is seeking to follow God and people then as a result are being contentious and fighting against them. So this seems there is unjust opposition to all of these people. And again, that is a situation that we are probably all going to face at some point in our lives. Well, how do we deal with it? Well, let's start with Psalm 35. So we begin this Psalm and look at the first eight verses. And where should we start when we're dealing with contentious people? We should start with prayer and we should lift the situation up to God. And ultimately he should be the one that we're relying on to help us. Uh, David continues, take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. And then he goes on even to ask God to stop these people, that they would be put to shame and dishonor, right? And so again, he's not just in a selfish quarrel and disagreement with somebody. Somebody is unfairly trying to fight against him. And he's saying, God, expose their sin and their shame. Let them, verse five says, let them be like chaff before the wind, which the angel of the Lord driving them away. And so he's lifting up his prayer to God and really calling out for God to be his defender. And again, it's showing that it's not in response to some selfish thing that David has done. Verse seven, for without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. And so when you have people opposing you, fighting against you, doing mean things to you for no cause, our first line of defense needs to be to go to the Lord. That's where we remember the broader theme of scripture. We're not out to seek vengeance or to get even. So the first place we want to go is to God in prayer. And let's continue to consider this theme as we go now to Numbers 16 and 17. Because here we're going to see people contending with Moses. And we see that in this rebellion of Korah, where basically a few people come together against Moses and against Aaron and say, hey guys, we think it's time for some new leadership. And oh, by the way, we nominate ourselves. 
right? They are bitter. They're contending against Moses and against Aaron, the two men that God had appointed to lead the nation, Moses to be the leader, Aaron to be uh, the leader of the, the priests. And they come and they oppose them and they contend with them. Well, here we're going to see a pretty incredible story of how God does contend for Moses and contend for Aaron. But there's a couple things I want us to learn. One thing, again, notice how David said they're doing this without cause. And you're going to see Moses basically make a prayer that's very similar to David's prayer. In chapter 16, he is going to say there in verse 15, and Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them and I have not harmed one of them. Right. So again, here you see, even though Moses is clearly upset and it is very upsetting when people are contending against you or fighting against you for no cause and it upsets Moses. But look, he takes his prayer to God and notice one thing he says there is that he has not hurt them. And so I think that's an important thing, even in our own prayers, as we consider this, as we seek to deal with these situations, we want to be able to check our own hearts. And we want to be blameless in these conflicts. We want to be able to go to God and say, like David, they're doing this without cause. We want to be able to go to God like Moses and say, God, I have treated them with kindness, with respect, but they are mistreating me. Those are things I think should be our goal to be able to say those in our own prayers. And and that takes a lot of self-control, right? That shows, hey, we're not going to be vengeful. We're not going to respond with, with meanness or uh, with hurt, hurtful actions or, or words toward this other person. We are going to respond with integrity, with doing what is right. And that's even something we'll be able to mention in our prayers. God, help me to do what is right. But God, look, I'm doing the right thing. Would you please help me? And here we see God help Moses in amazing fashion. Right, And eventually, uh, these people that are challenging Moses, they get swallowed up by the earth. That's something that God, through Moses, uh, eventually says, hey, if these guys die like anybody else, God hasn't spoken through me. But if something new happens and the earth opens up and swallows them, well, that's going to show you. And and that's ultimately what happens in this passage. The ground splits apart and opens it's, you know, opens up and swallows these men, their households and all their goods, their tents all get swallowed up by the ground. God does a miracle really to show Moses, Aaron, these are my guys. So God shows up to defend the people that he wanted to lead. And I think that's where sometimes we have to respond in faith and we have to say, God, I'm not going to seek revenge I'm going to trust you to defend me. And when we see that happen throughout scripture, so many times we see God shows up and he does defend his people. It's not usually through the earth opening up and swallowing uh, these people, but God does defend his people. And so I hope we start to see uh, some ways we can apply this to our own lives, that we're not to seek vengeance, that we are to continue to seek to do what is right. And that we are though, to lift our prayers up to God and trust that he is going to help us. And another thing that should stick out through this passage is the compassion to Moses. Again, he has compassion on the congregation 
as a whole, right? When he could have easily been fed up, you know, some of the things we've seen recently in numbers, he could have easily said, yeah, God, why don't you wipe him out and start over with me? Uh, But he doesn't. I think that's a good reminder for us that we should never lose a sense of compassion towards others, even when sometimes we are treated unfairly. And in chapter 17, this whole process of Aaron's staff budding, that's another way uh, that God shows, hey, Aaron, he is my choice. He is my leader. And God defends uh, the person that he had chosen to lead. We're going to see another example as we go now to Acts, Acts 23 and verses 1 through 5. And here, Paul now is being called before the council, very likely the Sanhedrin, kind of the the body of religious leaders and rulers of the Jews in Jerusalem. And I mean, this is all kind of a sham, uh, a mock trial. And Paul knows this. And as soon as he starts giving his defense, he is struck in the face, struck in the mouth. And Paul says to this man, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know brothers that he was the high priest for it is written. You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now there's a lot of uh, comments about what, what's going on here. And some people suggest that Paul is being sarcastic here. And, and Paul is kind of defending what he did and saying, okay, well, I'll treat you like the high priest when you start acting like the high priest. And I think that that is a possible interpretation, uh, but I do think it's better to take kind of Paul's words here at face value. And that even though Paul is being Uh, treated incredibly unfairly here, that he still wants to honor God's word to say, no, I'm not going to speak evil of a ruler of my people. And some people try to use this maybe as an example that, hey, Paul had bad eyesight. And so he couldn't recognize who it was who was speaking or that he had been gone from Jerusalem so long that he didn't know who the high priest was. And again, those are possible explanations. But I think the best way to understand this is that he is uh, genuine. And he's saying, I I shouldn't speak evil of a ruler of my people. Even, you know, when this person is treating me unfairly, I'm not going to resort to name calling, right? Clearly, Paul is not going to shy away from speaking the truth. But there is a certain line that he does not want to cross, even as he speaks of this ruler who is treating him unfairly. But notice, that doesn't mean Paul just kind of rolls then with whatever they want to do. He's very shrewd. And he does something I think that's incredibly wise as he follows up. He realizes this is just going to be a sham. That There is no justice that is going to be done. So he kind of lobs this bomb into the group and says, hey, I'm here because of the resurrection. And clearly there was this schism between the religious ruling classes, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And I am contractually obligated at this point to make the old pastor's joke. And that's why they were so sad, you see. Uh, But they did not believe in uh, the resurrection and the Pharisees did until it becomes this big argument. And I think Paul was very wise in just kind of watching this explode, taking the attention off of himself. And eventually he gets pulled out of this meeting and taken away from this mockery of a trial that they were trying to do in this moment. And even in the midst of this opposition against him, look at how God shows up to encourage him. In verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage for as you have testified 
to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And then we see a plot to kill Paul, and we're going to see how that resolves in the next chapter. But I think there's some interesting things to pick up on there from Paul. One, he does not want to speak evil of rulers, even when they are treating him unfairly, but he is also going to act shrewdly to get out of what was a dangerous situation for him. And ultimately, he's trusting God, and God does provide for and protect Paul in this moment. Well, finally, let's go to Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46. And here we see Jesus um, dealing with the religious leaders who clearly treated him unfairly and ultimately were instrumental in taking him to the cross and turning him over to the Gentiles. And today we read in verses 33 through 46, a parable that Jesus tells that is clearly against the religious leaders. He talks about a vineyard, and even as he sets up this parable, everyone there, their minds would have been flashing with Isaiah 5, where God uses very similar language to describe the nation of Israel as this vineyard that he took care of and built up and did everything for. But when it comes time to get the fruit, right, he sends servants, and these symbolize the prophets, many of whom were killed and abused and mistreated as they sought to minister to the people of Israel. And then obviously the son in the parable is Jesus Christ himself. And it's clear at the end when the chief priests and the Pharisees in verse 45 heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. For although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. And so there we see Jesus, he is clearly calling them out for their sin. And so there we see Jesus still speaking truth to his enemies, even as he is mistreated by them. And we know ultimately that the rejection of Christ uh, was not the chief priests and the Pharisees winning. It was all a part of the plan of God. And you see that even in the, the prophecies that Jesus mentions there, starting in verse 42, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, right? That their, their killing of Jesus will not mean victory for them. They are unwittingly actually accomplishing God's plan. So really, as we put all these passages together, I found it very interesting to see that theme of dealing with opposition. And hopefully some of the takeaways for us is first and foremost, going to God, asking for his help, and then trusting that he will help as we see him doing in several of these examples, that we are not to seek vengeance, but that we are to be committed to acting with integrity and uprightness and doing the right thing and even treating these people with kindness and with fairness, even when they're not treating us the same way. And ultimately we do all this because we trust God. We trust this God that we are praying to and we're looking to him and we know that in the end, his will will be done. And I hope that's encouraging to all of us today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.